Welcome to the Nerds and Friends podcast. My name is Josh Linquist, and today we are joined by Hannah Louise Smith, fantasy author. Very happy to have you here today. And I can't wait to hear about the books you have that are available now on Amazon for anyone to go and purchase. And let's uh, let's dive in. Tell us about the books that are that are out right now. Well, I currently have two books out now. Uh, we've got book one, Awakening, uh, of the Mythics and Mortals trilogy, and the sequel that I recently released in December called Darkness. Nice. So I've uh, got those two out. They're both urban fantasies based on ancient Greek mythology. Um, the third book in the trilogy, hopefully I will have out in 2024. I'm currently working on an independent project right now, nice. which is kind of separate away from the Mythics and Mortals trilogy. Okay, that's very cool. I think that's fun when you're working on a series to kind of take a break and do a totally different project and then jump back into your series. You know, it kind of like you go in with a refresher and kind of an altered perspective because I feel like as authors, we grow with every project that we complete, you know, so. so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me how you got into writing. Like, what was your journey to become a professional author? Well, I did sort of always want to be a writer, but I never really had the confidence or the time. And during the first lockdown of 2020, I was in between uni courses. So I just thought, why not? I need like a creative outlet because I worked in retail, still work in retail. And I just needed that little bit of something to just like get me through the pandemic. Totally. That's that's when I published my first books, too, was during I was in Los Angeles during most of the pandemic. So we were locked down really tight also. So, um, yeah, I got laid off of work uh, and I was like, well, I guess I better finish that book I've always been thinking about for the last couple of years. So. Ugh, honestly, working through the pandemic was a nightmare because it's just like working in like the public sector where I'm exposed to like customers, other members of staff. So many people in my store got COVID. Luckily, I didn't. My brother did. Um, um, but he got it through uh, someone's parents because uh, they got COVID and he went to go see them. Luckily, we weren't living in the same house at the time. But it's just good. like, it was like a blessing because I did think and I did have that worry that, oh, I'm exposed to the public out of everyone in my family. I'm going to get it. I'm going to bring it home. It's right. going to be a mess. Yeah. No, what a scary time. And I remember, yeah, especially initially when we didn't know, like, all the ramifications or how bad it was or how it affected certain age groups. It was just a, a time of a lot of unknowns. And that was really a, oh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a weird time to be like, I guess I better pursue my dreams of writing now. Cause who knows what the future holds, <laughs> you know? So it was, oh, yeah. it was just that level of uncertainty. I didn't even know how I managed to get through my final two years of like open university and get my degree because yeah. of that level of uncertainty. We were meant to have exams and no one really oh. knew what was happening. I remember like what I was doing and where I was when Boris Johnson, uh, I'm in the UK, F1 high, um, yeah. <laughs> like called that first lockdown. Like I sort of, I was making a cup of tea. I was in my workout gear and I just sort of stood in front of the TV and I remember thinking, oh crap like this is actually happening like this isn't just like a sort of small thing it's actually a massive worldwide pandemic yeah no it was super weird like I remember hearing about it in Los Angeles and I was working on a, a TV show at the time so I was super busy with my hours and then I remember I got the call they were like yeah we're shutting down production indefinitely and I was like oh I guess I'm guess I'm out of a job for now for the near future so it was it was wild sorry if you hear little squeaks one of my cats like to likes to make noise when I'm doing a podcast so hello Haru hi oh it's okay <laughs> uh when I'm downstairs in the living room at the table sort of doing work I've got a Siberian husky it was his oh, yeah. birthday yesterday oh happy birthday that's awesome <laughs> my my little brother got him a squeaky pig toy which he absolutely like 
adores and he'll sort of like give it to me I'll throw it or he'll just sort of like put it on my lap and squeak it and I'm like Logan I'm just trying to work here I kind of need this time and he'll <laughs> right. sort of look at me like yeah no you're gonna play with this pig with me <laughs> right now the, the pets are the real owners of the house they control our they control our workflow and everything our schedules so you know oh yeah my my life sort of revolves around my dog and everything like that like you cannot leave food unattended because he will have his nose right there on your plate yep no my cats are the same way so if, if i'm eating a sandwich they're going to be perched on my shoulders trying to get a bite and i'm like no you can't <laughs> can't do that <laughs> but so for your series that you're working on um like how long was it in the works like in your mind like wh when was the earliest that you kind of conceived of the idea and then like what was the timeline of you actually sitting down and writing it and then publishing the first two books i'm just curious because it's always so different for every author you know it's always fascinating to hear about the process and the origin of the story you know well i sort of started off at work thinking oh like what can i sort of do for my book originally uh, the mythics and mortals trilogy was going to be about our main character christine jones and um, it will be set in a library where she sort of like become this projector of this like huge magical book that contains like it's basically the power source for every single like god and goddess throughout time history cultures everything like that but i'm just like yeah that's a little bit too on the nose and complicated so i'm probably just going to stick to like greek mythology okay. um the first book i think it took me about nine months to write and then i sort of like on the spur of the moment published it in february last year and nice. um it took me probably roughly the same amount of time to work on darkness as well okay that nine months like, that's a pretty quick yeah. turnaround for a book that's impressive it's kind of like once i sort of have an idea i just run with it it's just like i'll spend a little bit of every day writing it whether or not it's a sentence or like several pages it just sort of depends really on my timeline totally so what's your what's your kind of process when it comes to editing like i know for me as an author i find getting that first draft i mean it takes like you said a couple hours at least every day to just get it done over a couple weeks or a couple months but then once you have your first draft what's how do you kind of approach editing i always find that to be the hardest part of the process so i'm curious oh, how God. you approach it <laughs> i loathe editing with a passion it's just like i'm a bit of a perfectionist so it's just like nothing is ever going to be 100 percent right. right so it's like i'll sort of i'll write up my first draft by hand because it's just a lot easier because that way when i type it up i can just sort of like make little changes here and there yeah um so i type up five chapters and then i stop i send it to my ipad edit on my ipad and then i just sort of like transfer it all onto my word and okay. i just sort of like i go through it like that and then once all that's done i do a audio run through but unfortunately because like of autocorrect damn you autocorrect <laughs> and how hypersensitive you are um i got informed that there are like one or two sort of like autocorrect issues with my books so i'm just sort of now like running through them should be spending the time working on gameplay which right. is the title of my uh, third book that i'm working on nice. uh, but instead i'm sort of spending the week um going through like awakening and darkness and just sort of fixing those issues yeah, no, it's always hard, but I, I, at least, I mean, I assume you publish through KDP uh, since your books are on Amazon. At least you're able to yeah. upload, uh, you know, updated manuscripts, which has been a lifesaver for me, I know, because I've had similar issues where I've had readers let me know, like, hey, there's a little typo here or a tiny little issue here. And I'm like, oh, man, oh, but God. yeah, it's nice to be able to re-upload. So that's handy. It doesn't <laughs> help that um, 
I'm also like with the Book Dragon, which is a independent bookshop located oh. in Stockton on Tees. And so I sent them um, the new and improved version of my first book, Awakening, as well as the copies of Darkness as well. So they look through it and it's like, oh, like just making you aware of all these issues. So I'm like, panic mode activate. Ugh. Like I was so now it's like i've sort of had to say to them right hold those books in the back once i sort out all the issues with both the books i'll contact amazon and get them to sort of like hopefully swap it over as like yeah. a, a text related issue plus what i completely forgot about was when you publish with kindle direct publishing they print a certain number of your books on demand so they've got them there ready so right. i've got the previous copies that oh. <laughs> like had like one or two formatting issues Honestly, formatting as well, editing yeah. and formatting, the stress of this. Yes. So uh, that's sort of mixed in with those books. So hopefully I'm aiming to get everything sorted and fixed. That's good. Yeah, no, I, I know for me, it was for my first book, it was trial and error where I was just, because I kind of Googled how to do KDP. I should have like talked to other authors, but I just kind of figured it out on my own. But I had oh, to, yeah. it, it took me a couple of days worth of just uploading it and being like, that doesn't look right. Let's try this again and just kind of keep making minor adjustments till it looked okay. So, oh, yeah, it's like they don't give you like straight, like numbered facts and stuff like that. And an instruction manual, you sort of like, I'm reading through it and I'm sort of there, like, what are you saying to me? What, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Like, who the hell decided on this? Yeah, it's, um, but I, I do think it's been very user-friendly and has made the publishing world more accessible for authors like us. So I think overall it's a net good, but there are certainly things where it can cause a headache for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, so. Especially now where um, self-published authors actually like, I don't know if you know about it or if you were like a part of it because I signed the petition about like people who were reading the books, like the audio books, um, audio books, huh? um, the ebooks and everything. And then once they were done, like returning them and then that oh, I did hear about loads that. of issues and like basically impacting the sales. And luckily yeah. Amazon have put a stop to that where if you like you read a certain percentage of a person's book, you can't return it. That's good. Which which is brilliant because technically like that's theft and oh, it doesn't absolutely. impact sales from uh, authors and it's just so disheartening it's like one day you wake up and it's like yay i've made a sale the next day oh that person's returned my book what happened here right well and yeah if they read it because like there's the, with ebooks i mean first off that's the most profitable for indie authors people don't realize because with oh, the yeah. paper with the hard copies like it's nice to have a hard <laughs> copy of your book but so much of the, of the cost goes into printing it that like i make more money on ebooks at least with my pricing breakdown you know and so um, yeah. yeah to get returns on those would be really bad so i'm glad they have a percentage cap on that that's really smart so oh yeah it's like trying to sort of factor in the pricing for your books as well because i'm just sort of right. they're like oh well i sort of i priced my first book awakening at 6.99 and i'm like oh okay like i'm getting like a little bit of money from that i'm getting what like one pound something and then my second book because it's like quite chunkier i don't know if like you can sort of oh, see yeah. the difference there so like that i put a 6.99 also and i was getting what like 94 pence in royalties oh. from that after printing after amazon have taken their cut and i'm like right i need to sort of like up the price so uh both books are 7.99 now hopefully the price will stay that way it it's kind of like you don't really know as a indie author like the sort of 
the level and like the line of how to publish your books in terms of cost like you don't want to make it too expensive you don't want to make it too cheap so yeah definitely i think ebooks are the way to the future really as much as i love paperback copies and hardback copies ebooks are a lot more like indie friendly I agree. Yeah. And and because it's at essentially no cost to distribute for Amazon, most of the money comes back to us, which is great. So Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Brilliant. It's completely the future. So well, I have a question. What are some of your aspirations as an author? I mean, of course, finishing the series you've already started and it just sounds like you have this cool independent project you're working on, but what are some of your other goals in your writing career? Um, well, I just like I want to get my name out there, like sort of not be obviously like up with the greats like George R. R. Martin, Stephen King, just like sort of people sort of like be like, oh, I know her, like I've read her books because I have loads of books in the works. Like I've got like a prequel for the Mythics Immortals trilogy. I've got loads nice. of other independent projects. I do have a book series that I do have in the works and everything like that. It's based off of like the Grimm's fairy tales and everything like yeah. that. And we're going to have a lot of strong female characters there. And it's just like some nice. of them, you know, like we're going to have Sleeping Beauty. We're going to have Little Red Riding Hood. And it's kind of like they're all sort of like part of this magical like order who fights evil and stuff like that and it's their own stories really of how they got into the order so i'm i'm quite looking forward to doing that actually but that is a that long time awesome. in the future that sounds like a fantasy avengers where you're going to have like their origin books and then have like a culmination where they all come together that sounds awesome that's really cool yeah um because like, originally I was sort of like, honestly, the ideas just sort of like come to me and I sort of just run with it. And yeah. the first book you're going to have, it's kind of like, it's got a little bit of like a Hansel and Gretel twist in it, but not really. Like you've got no sort of like sugary candy witch and everything like that. It's yeah. brother and sister in the dark forest. And I don't know if anyone's familiar with, and I'm sorry if I pronounce like this wrong, the witch Baba Yaga and like her... <laughs> like her walking house with the chicken legs like she's yep. going to be the big bad in it and it i'm actually yeah. really looking forward to it it is going to be quite dark i think that like there's sort of a line when it comes to like your literature in terms of like you want it to be dark but not like too dark because if right. it's too dark then you completely like lose your audience well that, that's an interesting question because i kind of struggled with that with the, the two books that I've written because they're not part of, of a series. They're both standalone, but they're both fantasy. And um, like when I read Game of Thrones back in the day, like I grew up reading like, you know, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and stuff. And so I was used to like very PG-13 fantasy. So oh, to, read, yeah. to read Game of Thrones, which was very R-rated, I was like, oh, this is different, you know? So like, how do you kind of gauge where you draw your lines in terms of like content and darkness when you're writing, you know? Well, the Mythics Immortals trilogy, it's like, I sort of, there are obviously, because we refer to ancient Greek mythology and like some aspects of it, there is no PG-13. It's quite graphic. It's quite real. Right. So um, it's kind of like, I hint towards it. I sort of, I mention the issue, but I don't like full on describe it. I mean, in the like second book, Darkness, and I I kind of don't want to spoil it for people, but I kind of do have to spoil it a little bit. Okay. Like, um, it's kind of like the character of Medusa. We absolutely love Medusa. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously in ancient Greek mythology, she is assaulted by 
the god Poseidon and everything like that. She's defiled right. on the temple steps of Athena and everything. So that is mentioned in the book, but it's sort of done in a way where it's not like fully in your face. Like she talks about her experience and like she sort of confronts Athena because you've got Christina and her friend Sophie and Lucas and Athena. They all go to Medusa because she's like the key because her but because she's powerful she can petrify people right yeah yeah that she sort of she chooses whether or not to sort of like do that she has control of her power and the the man who assaulted her is a demon shapeshifter called creolus or creolus depending on how you want to sort of pronounce it and he wore the disguise of poseidon and Uh. because like there's the ruling that if like a mortal accuses a god or goddess or a crime and they're found to be lying or the god or goddess is proof, then the mortal's punished. So Zeus called for Medusa's head, basically. And Athena oh. said no. So she sort of, she saved her. And there's this whole like sort of emotional confrontation because it's like Athena feels guilty because she couldn't do more. And Medusa has hated her, hated the gods and everything like that. And there is sort of like more along that line and it's just it's a case of saying it but without being in your face saying it it's kind of like mentioning the issue and with uh gameplay as well there is like that that book is not for children based upon (laughs) some of the language it's kind of like game of thrones language and i sort of sit there and think am i using too many swears in this like should i sort of tone it down a bit and there's sort of there's graphic horror and violence there will be some m-rated scenes consensual scenes we'll just put that there um and there's like there's some emotional trauma there as well because our character helena sandwood who is the main character for gameplay she has been through a lot emotionally like her parents are dead so she's taking care of her brothers her brothers are missing and she's basically sucked into this magical world of estroth it's gameplay is kind of it's a epic fantasy novel based upon the popular role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I'm a so, big, I'm wearing a D&D shirt right now. <laughs> yeah. That is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's like she's sort of facing all these monsters. She's on a quest, but turns out she isn't alone. She's got two exes with her. and oh, uh, that, That's got to be fun to navigate emotionally. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, well, with her, one of her exes, Dylan, he isn't just a ex. He's the ex. And, we all at some point in our lives have had that ex where they've caused such emotional damage and trauma in some way or another. And it's just, she's sort of like, oh my God, like you're here. She admittedly, when she first sees him, it's like she tries to launch herself at him because she absolutely hates him. Like the amount of trauma he put her through. So it's like, she's trying to sort of like deal with that and try not to let her emotions cloud her judgment because she's there to do a job. She's got to find these pages. She's got to defeat the big bags. She's got to find her two brothers and she just wants to like get the hell out. Right. But the, the, yeah, well, that, That's a really good way to set up story stakes where she's focused on her mission, getting her brothers, but then she kind of has to work with people she has issues with to accomplish that. That makes for fun conflict and stories. So that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, because it's just like in life you have to deal with people that you don't really like and you absolutely loathe and she doesn't really have that option and she kind of like throughout the book at certain points in the book she's sort of just there like 
should I just wait till they're asleep and just like go and do this on my own? Because it's just yeah. like she just can't deal. She's holding on to so much and she's trying to keep it all together. And right. especially because she she's the only one who can really do this quest because she is like the heart singer who has all this power. So she's struggling <sighs> with her powers. She's struggling like not to kill her two exes and another guy that she used to be friends with at work but they sort of had a massive falling out. But uh-huh. it, it's fun, actually, to sort of, like, explore and navigate. It's my first epic fantasy. I just didn't realise how long it would be. So because music features such a large part in gameplay, like I've sort of listened to music and I'm just like, oh, do you know what? I'm inspired to do, like, this scene and I am going to have a playlist in the back of the book and hopefully create a Spotify playlist for the book as well. Oh, that's cool. Hopefully. That's a great idea. Well, yeah, because then oh, yeah. people, who, people who buy your book, they can look in there and either like scan a QR code or follow you on social media and just like pull up. If you have like a public playlist on Spotify, they can just download that to their Spotify. That's a really cool idea. Yeah, and I can sort of just like say, oh, um, well, this song is for like this scene. So if they want to sort of really get into the scene and they can just like picture it in their heads as they like oh. go along. Well, that, and it will also uh, show my uh, questionable taste in music because there's some <laughs> songs in there. I'm just like, damn, should, like, should I actually like include this in my book? <laughs> just because of the sheer cringe. Like, I don't know if anyone is familiar with, um, there's this bad lip sync channel on YouTube. And they did one for, I think it was The Emperor Strikes Back. And it's called Seagulls Stop It Now. And it... The song gets in Helena's head, so she's just sort of humming along, and then all of a sudden, like, fish are just jumping out the water at her, and she's like, what is happening? And everyone's sort of freaking out, and she's like, yeah, actually, I think it's the uh, thing that's coming up from the one to thirty. It's not my singing that has done this. <laughs> but that's funny. It, it'll be fun. That's awesome. Well, I've never heard of, like, an author including a playlist in their book so that the reader can, like visualize what you're, they're reading the same way you are with music that's a really cool thing to do i like that a lot it was a really fun idea to do because i'm just sort of there like oh i can sort of like i can use this like certain songs or like beats like, i love songs with the beat and stuff and like really really catchy yeah like lyrics and stuff so i'm just like i'm gonna include that in my book yeah well i just i mean it's cool because like no one else has ever done it and it's like you're telling your audience a story then in not one, but two mediums. You're telling it to them through words and through music, as opposed to just one or the other. So that's really neat. You know, that's really cool. Yeah. Cause I sort of try to like make my characters real and relatable. Yeah. And so it's just like, instead of just like Christina and Helena and everyone associated with them, just like being part of this fantasy world, it's just like, I try to make the character engage with the reader a bit so it's yeah. just like you can put yourself in the character shoes and yeah. especially because uh gameplay it's just like from our world to their world yeah so it's it's sort of fun to just sort of bridge that gap a bit it's like they it's i sort of sit there and write how would i react like if i was facing this situation or this was happening to me how would my re- how would i react and how would i actually show my reaction i'm yeah. pretty sure if i was sucked through a portal like sort of dropped and fell into a tree and then i'm in this random world where this first thing that i meet is a talking duck i'd be like <laughs> what the hell is happening like, right. i would be freaking out i'd be like okay yeah i need to go now 
Well, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the Nerds and Friends podcast. We'd love to have you back on again when your next book releases so we can promote that. But to everyone watching and listening, check out the link below. Uh, there'll be a link to Hannah Louise Smith's work on Amazon. Um, and then uh, any of the links you'd like me to provide, we'll put on there. And uh, just want to thank you for your time coming on the podcast. This was really fun. I had a lot of fun as well. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on Nerds and Friends. This was great.